Good evening, family. It's good to see you tonight. My name is David. I'm one of the associate pastors at Grace Covenant Church. If I don't look familiar to you, it's because I'm generally at our Sterling congregation where I'm the site pastor. We've got some Sterling, and Sterling love in the house tonight. All right. Well, tonight's baptism night, and we are excited about celebrating what God is doing in our spiritual family, where we identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it means in our spirit and soul and for our eternity. So we're excited about that. We've got a brief message, and then we'll, we'll get into those baptisms, and there'll be a little bit more about that uh, before our candidates come, come forward for their baptisms. Uh, before I get started with the message tonight, uh, during worship, we're singing the words, Hallelujah. And, there, and, and I, it just struck me, I felt like maybe, maybe some of you in here are singing the words, but you're not as stirred as you could be because you're not quite sure what it means, and you're just saying the word hallelujah. Don't raise your hand. I don't want to tell on you. You don't need to tell on yourself. I just, I just know that it's so easy in Christianity to be afraid to ask the questions, you know, because the, the, you'll be like, oh, it's not very spiritual to ask what hallelujah is, and you're going to leave the worship service and you're going to forget that you didn't know what it was and then you're going to sing it on Sunday. And then at some point, you don't even realize you don't even know what it means. Anybody else done stuff? Like, okay, so, all right. Well, I'm going to tell you what it means anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah means praise Yahweh. So I gave you more words you don't know. You see how this works? It opens up this box. It's like a babushka doll of revelation. It just keeps opening up and you got to go in, 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 in. So praise Yahweh. It's a, it's a word that's distinct for the celebration of the glory and the goodness of God. So who's Yahweh? Yahweh is a former or a proper name for God that the Jewish people used to say, the Hebrew people used to use to celebrate God because when he introduced him as I am the I am, as Tiffany was talking about, she, he, she said, the I am is here. The I am is here. And you're like, so am I. Right? If you thought like, oh, good, who's, who's here? <laughs> She's referring to Yahweh. Yahweh is the great I am. And what is the great I am? What does that mean? Let's open it one more step. It is the one who always has been, always is, and always will be constant and forever, all powerful, the same. Okay, so that's why. So when we sing hallelujah, we're saying praise the God who always has been, always is, and always will be. And that's why we get excited because our God is never changing. And so if you felt like, you know, they're saying this word over and over and over, and they, I don't even know what it means. I'll just say it, but I'm not feeling excited in my soul. You start, I mean, I started yelling now. I get excited about what it means. That wasn't like a preaching trick. That was just, I get excited about who he is and what he, and what he has done. And as I talk about it and as I get stirred by it, I get encouraged by it. And then I get, I get really excited and I start jumping up and down and bouncing. I do my, I keep it real like in here. So I don't distract anybody, but you're right. And I don't, I get, I lose my rhythm outside of this box. And so I don't dance at weddings except for slow dances Slow dance would be weird when I'm shouting hallelujah and I want to dance. So that'd be funny. Just start waltzing during, start waltzing during worship. You guys live stream this, don't you? All right. We're going through a series on knowing God. And Pastor Jim tonight has asked me to talk uh, about the idea of knowing God as Savior. I want to start by admitting that I spent way too much time after being assigned this topic trying to think of a really cool illustration I could share. I was like, oh yeah, knowing God as Savior, there's got to be a really cool story out there. 
that I could use to just stir our affections, stir our emotions, that would make it really real for us. You know, World War II stories, soldiers, debt being paid off, you know, all those kinds of things. We've all heard them before. I started looking for it and searching for it. For whatever reason, God just kind of slammed the door shut on me looking for these illustrations. And then um, I, he stirred me. He said, seek my face. I'm like, well, God, I want to, that's great, but I want an illustration. <laughs> I want to get really excited about knowing you as Savior. He said, seek, seek my face. Okay. So I started praying, and he took me to the Word, and I'm looking through the Word. And then it struck me. It struck me that when I needed inspiration and I needed revelation and I needed encouragement and I wanted something to inspire my soul, to inspire your soul, I looked everywhere else first. That has nothing to do with the sermon tonight, but it might end up being the thing that you walk away with. I just want to encourage you, don't look everywhere else first. If you're going to Google or you're going to Facebook and you're pouring your heart out, oh, I had a terrible day. Have you talked to God about it yet? Or are you waiting till Sunday? You're pouring out your heart and your frustrations about your bad day at work with your spouse. Is, have you talked to God about this when you were stuck in traffic, that traffic God provided for you to empty your soul before him before you got home? What if traffic is just a gift from God to spend time with him and to empty your soul and all we're doing is getting woo, angry. I almost, the campus minister almost came out getting angry about all this traffic. And God's like, hey, you had a tough day. I wanted to talk to you about it. But we're going to turn on the sports news and we're going to turn on the traffic news and we're going to turn on the weather news. And then we're going to pour it out to this person, pour out that person, and then it's time for bed. So you can rinse and repeat. Just something to think about in traffic. So let's look tonight in Kings, we're going to be going in First Kings chapter 5. Oh, no, no, I lied. We're going to study Naaman tonight. Yes, ma'am. We're going to Second Kings. So what happens when you don't write stuff down? Somebody got the chapter? Oh, it was five. I wrote, I wrote Kings 5 on my notes. And I'm like, what am I doing? Wrong book. Spent more time on my Bible. We do well tonight. All right, here we go. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor because by him the Lord had given him victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord thus and so the Lord, uh, the girl spoke, the girl from the land of it spoke the girl from the land of Israel and the king of Syria said, go now. 
I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, when this letter reaches you, know that I have sent you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. Basically, this is impossible. This guy's just trying to pick a fight because I can't do what he's asking me to do. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me that he may know that there's a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away saying, behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farper, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. His servants came near and said to him, My father, is, uh, it is a great word the prophet spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. This is God's word to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us tonight to know you as our Savior, to not be distracted by everything else that would vie for our attention and affection. In Jesus' name, amen. From this story, we learn a lot of things about God's heart and God's plan of salvation. Just in the same order that it's revealed to us, I want to say that it doesn't matter how successful you are, how well-liked you are, how powerful you are, you cannot save yourself. Naaman was a war hero. hero. He was amazing, loved and successful, but he was going to die. He had leprosy and his body was rotting. And it would be a slow, painful, stinky, awful death where his body parts would literally fall off before he was dead. Not all the, none of the success that this man had met could cure him of his leprosy. And you'll see in this story that he tries to fall back on his successes and his, and his favors and his people and his strength and the power of these kingdoms, the power of these kings. And God brings salvation a whole nother way. There aren't enough good moral things that can be done to solve a spiritual problem. And leprosy is used in the Old and New Testament to show us the problem of sin. It reveals to us the problem that can't be solved by any natural, medical, or otherwise needs. It means that we're unclean. It means that we're hopeless. We're helpless by ourselves. And we need God to move on our behalf to cleanse us and to save us. So he goes to his king. He goes to his Lord. He says, can you help me? There's a guy in Israel guy in Samaria who might be able to help me. So king writes to king. Naaman would have been familiar with this. He would have been excited about it. I've got these important people working this important business for me. And so he travels down and he takes this note to the king of, Samaria, or to the king of Israel. 
He reads it and he's devastated because he knows he can't do it. And the last thing he wants to do is upset Syria because it would mean their destruction. Here's this man that means so much to the king of Syria and there's nothing that I can do and we're all going to pay deeply because of it. So now the king of Israel is desperate. Naaman traveled with great pomp and circumstance, relying again on his own goodness and his own victory, his own conquest, his own strength and power with chariots and gifts. Maybe I can buy this thing. Maybe a demonstration of my power. You know, it takes game to recognize game. Right? All the guys are like, oh, he, that's what, did he really talk about that? Yeah. We'll say if you play basketball, you can recognize a basketball player. If you play football, you can recognize a football player. Musicians recognize musicians. There's just a thing between people. That it's like, you know, you know, the, the walk, the talk, the lingo, and you just kind of pick up on it as they walk up to you, right? And so Naaman's relying on this. Oh, I'm coming as a powerful man. This powerful God's going to move on behalf of me because I'm powerful. But it wasn't because of any of his strength. It wasn't because of any of the ways he showed himself to be great that his ear was heard. The heart of God was touched only when the king of Israel ripped his clothes and said, I can't do this. The voice or the heart of God was pricked when the king of Israel tore his clothes, which was a sign of mourning and desperation. And he's like, there's nothing that I can do. And God said, now I'll enter. And so the prophet comes representing the person in the presence of God. And he says, send him to me. In Luke chapter four, Jesus gives more context to this whole scene. And he tells us, that at this time there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elijah the prophet, but none of them were cleansed except Naaman the the Syrian. There were all these people in Israel, God's chosen people who were sick and dying of leprosy that didn't humble themselves and cry out for God's healing. It was the person who didn't Otherwise deserve God's healing. Who did put himself in the right place to be healed. Who was healed. We also learn that you don't get to choose. How God saves you. Or the means by which he brings you revelation. So he's trying to do this at the top level. Presidents and kings and leaders. And he gets the prophet. Not only the prophet, he gets the prophet's servant. How degrading. You ever get frustrated because the doctor hasn't seen you yet? You just got a bunch of nurses? (laughs) Nurses are awesome, by the way. They're amazing. (laughs) But we still get angry, don't we? Where's the doctor? I came here for a doctor. Not to get my weight checked and a thing stuck in, you know, my temperature taken. I'm sick. Fix me. It's that magnified. He was expecting to have this big time conversation. It was going to be like, whoosh, you're healed. (laughs) Sometimes we expect the same, don't we? Like, I'm just going to go to church. I'm going to hear this word and God's going to whoosh. Make me forgiving. 
It's going to wipe that person out so I don't have to forgive. <laughs> Problem solved. Move them to another job. Fire them. Whoosh. You know, God's going to whoosh, make our debt go away. And then he whoosh, gives you financial peace. The class. <laughs> the one you got to pay a hundred bucks to go to. And then, and then you learn in this class that you're, you, you've got to eat rice and beans. And that's how God's going to whoosh with rice and beans and a hundred dollar class on Tuesday nights. That's real life, y'all. I'm just, whoosh, God, whoosh it, whoosh it, just whoosh it. Hallelujah. Come on, I am. Will you please? But we don't get to choose how God brings the revelation. He got it through a servant girl and a servant. The servant girl made him aware of the possibility of healing and cleansing salvation. The servant is the one that gave him the solution. Who have you shut your ears to because they're not Pastor Brett? We'll just leave that. (laughs) This last point I'm really excited about because I made up a word for it. He is our savior, not a slavior. You can tweet that one. (laughs) He was so angry because he expected God to wipe it away, to wash it away, to take it away and do it magically somehow on his own because God is powerful, right? This prophet could do anything. He could fix anything. Fix me. And you got to go wash yourself in this river and he's offended because it's a dirty river. He's like, there are all these better rivers up north. Can I just stay? Can I, can I wash myself in one of these clean rivers? Come on, on my, can I do this on my terms? What are people going to say if they saw me washing in the dirty river in Israel? I'm an important man. I'm sure Elisha was like, I mean, cool. You could just let your arms fall off. That's the other option. text him a meme of Kermit the Frog sipping tea. Like, or you could just die of leprosy. None of my business. (laughs) Dip myself seven times in a dirty river. And he goes back and his servants are like, you're missing it. You're missing it. You're missing it. Don't miss this. This is really, really good news. Didn't he say that if you do this, you'll be cleansed? He was so offended by the means by which he was going to be cleansed, he decided he didn't even want cleansing. How quickly we throw out the work that God wants to do because we don't like the way he's having us do it. God, I want to be whole. Forgive. No, thanks. God, I want to have a great marriage. Apologize to your wife. Repent and do the dishes. Oh. I was with you till the dishes. Pick up the laundry. What? God, this is, you're asking too much of me for my marriage. 
I'd like to rather, I'd rather just stay right in my wrong. Naaman's like, are you kidding me? He has the opportunity to be cleansed and for people to say he's got the skin of a babe. Not just returned to what he was, a warrior, which would be rough-skinned, bruised, cut up, scarred. He has the opportunity to be completely washed clean, restored to a condition better than he was before he was sick. In Jesus Christ, we have an opportunity to be restored to better than before we came to him. He doesn't just like wash us clean and, and restore us to like a place where we're not, we're not sinners, but we're, he takes us beyond just not sinners and he calls us righteous and holy and pure. We can be so much like Naaman, I have to go to church. I have to read my Bible. I have to worship. I have to pray. I should be reading. I should this. I should that. And we, we lump all these things on us because God is a slave driver. And if I'm going to be free, I have to do all these things that I don't want to do. I have to forgive. I have to. I have to. I have to. But we miss in it. fact that we're free to do these things in Jesus Christ. Because he's already wiped it clean. I get to read my Bible. I am free to worship. I am free to pray and be heard by God. I'm free to gather with my brothers and sisters on Sunday morning, on Wednesday night, in a small group on Tuesday night for financial peace. They're not paying me for that. I just thought it's a good time of year to talk about money. We're free to do these things. We're free to receive the love of Jesus. We're free to receive the mercy of God. We're free to know him and to to approach his heart and mind. Not we have to. And he's going to call us and lead us to do things, not because we have to, but because we get to. In service of a holy God, we get to to love our community. We get to serve our family. We get to to be leaders in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. We get to be peacemakers. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. How weary was Naaman's heart walking around with leprosy, wondering how soon till I die? How how soon before the king pushes me off and won't allow me to approach? How soon until I lose my friendships? How soon till I lose my wife? How soon till I lose my servants? How soon till I lose everything? How many of us walk away, walk around fearing how soon will everybody find me out? How soon will my sin be exposed? How soon will people reject me? How soon will the pastor find out? How soon will will my wife reject me? How soon will my friends leave me? How soon will I lose everything that I thought I've worked to earn? That weight and that burden is the one that Christ is saying, come and give that burden to me. I've got a fresh one for you. 
It's not one of servitude where you need to earn my love and my salvation. It's one where because of my love and salvation, you, you, you get to walk in relationship with me and I will empower you to do the things I'm calling you to do, to do in the first place. I'll empower you to forgive. I'll empower you to repent. Repent's a word for change. It's a, it's a change of mind. It's a, it's a 180 from I was going this way and I'm now going to change and I'm going to go this way. I'm going to change what I believe and I'm going to pursue God. And in pursuing God, I'm also going to pursue everything else that he has for me in this change of direction. Did that make sense? To know God as Savior is to escape from the mentality that I must prove myself to be worthy of salvation. But to daily be washed over by his salvation. To know God as Savior means we get off the treadmill of run, 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 prove, 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 prove. And to fall into the comfort of being accepted. Before you can, you know, some people feel like there's lordship and there's salvation. Like there's do what God says and there's God loves you and forgives you. Salvation is a function of his lordship. The reason that God can forgive, the reason that he can protect us, the reason he can wash us clean of our sins, the reason that he cured Naaman of his leprosy is not because, um, is, is, is not separate from lordship. It's because of his lordship, because he has the authority over sickness. He has the authority over disease. He has authority over death and he has authority over resurrection. And it's because of his authority that he's able to forgive us. I can't get you a discount at Chick-fil-A because I don't have authority at Chick-fil-A. Something that simple I can't do because I don't have the authority for it. But because of the authority of Christ, we can lay hands on the believer, we can lay hands on people and see them healed. Because of the authority of Christ, we can preach the gospel. We can surrender our hearts and minds to Jesus Christ and be forgiven of our sins and live forever. The instruction for us today is not to get washed and dipped seven times for salvation. It's to be washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Because he lived the life we should have lived. He, he lived the perfect, sinless life. And I'll I'll put two things together. I want to tell you, instead of checking your email first thing in the morning or checking the sports news or watching whatever it is that you check in Facebook or whatever it is that you do, I would encourage you to first seek out the good news that Jesus took on human flesh so that we could be reconciled to him. Preach this to yourself in the morning. God, I recognize that my sins, even the ones that I'm comfortable with and that even I like, separate me from you and the wages of that separation is death. I believe that Jesus lived. He never sinned and deserved no punishment, but love compelled him to take on the punishment that I deserve. I believe that because he never sinned, death had no power over him. And because of that, he rose from the dead three days later. Because he died in my place and defeated death, I receive his forgiveness and choose to walk in the light of his path, not in the darkness of my passions or desires. I joyfully turn, that's I repent. I joyfully turn from living life the way that I want to live it. According to my prescription, according to my rivers of healing, according to my understanding of revelation, according to what the the TV says or what my inspirational book says or my life coach says or someone else says, I choose to live it the way that you would have me live it and I commit my way, my purpose, my path, my life to you. 
I belong to you, God. Not because of anything that I've done, but because of what you've done. Help me to walk closely with you today so that I may enjoy the fullness of life and the pleasure of your presence because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. That's a better way to start your day than who won the game last night. And you'll be amazed to see how differently you approach traffic in the morning. You'll be amazed to see how different your conversation is at the water cooler and how different the grace is to respond to the emails that you need to respond to because you're not under the stress and the weight of trying to prove yourself. You're already proven. You're already loved. I got nothing to prove in my life. People can think and say whatever they want to think or say. Because I started my day with an understanding and a realization that he's my savior. Not any person's acceptance. Not any accolade. Not any award or treasure on this earth can take the place of that.